When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boule. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boule, as always. Christian, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? Is there any, like, broken bones, illnesses, anything that we need to know about before we start? Because I'm worried. Everything's just going fucking wrong right now. Everybody's hurt, and I just, I just want to make sure you're good before we jump into this. I'm honestly good. I think me and you are jumping in line. We may get called up to the abs here pretty soon with the pace was, everything's going right now. I was, I was going to ask if you got that email from uh, Joe Sackick asking if yeah. you were but because I, I got one of those recently just asking if I'm available because we're getting down there on the list because yeah. it's getting fucking ridiculous how many players are hurt for the avalanche yeah, yeah it's not pretty um what seemed like was impossible to happen to the abs happened in this Boston game why did, because why did I opened my fucking mouth last episode why did I do it why yeah. did I say anything I mean here's the thing if you haven't no, no, if you haven't seen Arturi Lekkinen gets hurt in this game, doesn't return after a borderline cheap shot by Charlie McAvoy. I don't like the play. I think it's I think it's a dirty play. It's but the Boston it's, special. Yeah. It's the Boston Bruins special where you look at it, you know nothing's going to happen, but it's not clean. But they get away with it. It's the Bruins. It's what they've done for twenty years, longer than that. I, I didn't love it. I felt like the play was over and McAvoy just, he didn't slew foot him, but he just tackled him when Lekkonen's not expecting to be tackled in the fucking paint. And he goes out with an upper body injury, doesn't return. This is on the heels of us finding out this morning that Josh Manson is out week to week with a, was it lower body or upper body? Did they say? I, it doesn't I, matter. It He's doesn't out week matter. to week. Like it's week to week. So, your tweet this morning was somehow out of date already. Um, somehow, after like somehow hours, already out of date. 
Yeah. So we lost in in the span of a month of hockey, we've lost Byram, Nachushkin, Evan Rodriguez, Curtis McDermott, Josh Manson, and now Arturi Lekkinen. And for Manson, it was lower body. Lower body. That is in the span of a month, folks. This is absolutely I, – I don't want to say it's unprecedented because I'm sure there's some teams that have had this experience before, but no team as good as the Avs, I feel like, has had this type of injury luck to start a year. I, not that really I can remember because it's genuinely crazy at this point. Now we are missing four of our top six. We're now missing two key defensemen and really just got one of them back. Someone finally came back. We lose someone else only a couple of games later. That was Gerard who came back. Now we have Manson out. We're missing like important depth players. We've been missing Darren Helm all season. And I know like you can't really classify Shane Bowers as important depth, but he would be playing right now and probably 100%. playing at least top nine minutes without question. And I know this is kind of, you know, up to debate, but Curtis McDermott is not an option right now. At least he's been injured for the last little while. We're missing a lot right now. And I don't care about this result of the Bruins game that we haven't even mentioned yet. The Avs lose 5-1 in Boston. Bruins remain undefeated at home. They never had a shot. And coming- I actually I actually thought the Avs didn't play that bad in this game. I really I- thought they were pretty decent in this game considering the circumstances. Yeah, and I th- I thought so too. That's what made me so frustrated. Like what are we supposed to do about this? There's nothing we could have done about this. We don't have players. We're missing our top six. The only guys left are McKinnon and Rantanen, our our guys. We haven't had Landis Gog since the start of the season. We lost Rodriguez only like a week ago. We lost Lekkinen in the first period. What are we supposed to do against a team that's rolling like this? We We never had a shot. And as well as the Avs played, they just made mistakes. The, the AHL guys made mistakes because they're this is not their job they're they're playing above their pay grade you can't even be mad at them like Jacob McDonald had a pretty brutal game but he's being relied on to like play, play top four minutes on this defense against David yeah. Bosternock which is just never at any point supposed to be his role no it, it's it was truly a uh I'm sure when the NHL made that game and they made it on the schedule. They're like, oh, 5, 7 p.m. Saturday night, Avs versus Bruins. This game's going to probably be one of the best of the year. No, it, it turned out to be just it, the Avs were holding on. And if it if it wasn't for Pavel Francouz, this game could have been 9-1. to one. It yeah. really could have been. Really like it, it almost wasn't even that bad. It got out of yeah. hand in the third period with, like, what was it, two goals and, like, eight seconds for the Bruins yeah. or something stupid like that. Like it was three, one, you got a Cogliano goal a little bit into it. Then you had Frederick and DeBrusque 10 seconds apart with five minutes left, making it five to one. The Bruins post 40 shots. They have five power plays. Like there was just never any reality where the abs come out on top in this game. It given the circumstances and who was playing. I, I, like I said, I thought the abs played pretty well. Like they, they hung in there with probably the best team in the NHL right now. It got away at the end. I also think Boston kind of took their foot off the gas in the third period. They kind of realized that once, honestly, once they got a one goal lead, this game was probably over. Um, And they just kind of coasted in that third period. I did get my hopes up a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I got my hopes up a little bit when Cogliano scored. It's like, well, maybe, maybe. 
I didn't get my I didn't get my hopes up, but I took it as a moral victory that this yeah. isn't this isn't another Winnipeg where we're talking about a shutout. You got one. The two late kind of bummed me out a little bit because three to one just looks better. Yeah. But we just kind of had to be realistic about this. We we knew even last episode before we even talked about either of these games against Buffalo or Boston that the abs are weak right now. Yeah. And then they got weaker coming into today. It's like I said, what are they supposed to do? There's not like McKinnon, McCarr, and Ranton can go off all they want. There's no one else beneath them. And that's no that's no offense to the guys beneath them right now. Andrew Cogliano scored a goal in this game. He's not a second-line forward. JT Comfort had a great game against Buffalo. He's, he's not a second-line center. And, I mean, these – like, John John Luke Foody, I thought has been great so far. He's taken a bunch of penalties, but I really liked his game. He's playing 12 minutes in this game. Logan O'Connor's playing 18 minutes. Alex Newhook is playing 20. Cogliano's playing 15. It's just simply never at any point supposed to be the case with this team. No. no. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how the Hefs go these next couple weeks because you're, you're hopeful. I'm I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You got Byram, you got Nachushkin skating again. So their return is close. If we can just make it until they get back and no one else gets hurt, I think that's a win. I really do. I, I think that's a huge win. And if you can play 500 hockey you're looking you're you're looking real good because let's be realistic here we're not going to go on another one of those runs that we went on last year just because one that was such an anomaly and two this team is just beat up to hell yeah that's why i was so surprised last month in november when we went eight and three and just kept winning games with all these important players out of the lineup and beating a team like dallas four to one without all these guys but at a certain point, there, there's just so much you can do when Evan Rodriguez goes down and now Lekkinen goes down. All the Bruins have to do in this game is line match against McKinnon and Ranton and just throw out all your defensive guys on top of them, and you've smothered the offense. There's nothing anyone, there's nothing anyone can do. And the Bruins being at home definitely did not help because they – abuse the line matches in this game and it was really easy they didn't have they didn't have another line to defend against yeah it was super easy and i honestly thought that mckinnon's line created some dangerous chances. i think in the first period mckinnon had two prime scoring chances um and if one of those goes in you kind of change the pace of the game but i thought he was good uh ranting wasn't terrible but it's just so tough when you're going up against that boston team because they are just four lines of attack. They are really, really good right now. Um, And I just, I I know we talked about this a little bit off air. I'm going to transition into it because there's not much more to talk about in the Avs game. Um, Boston, I don't mind them when we're not playing them, but when we play them, I fucking hate their guts, dude. They are just a bunch of dirty sons of bitches. And like, I, I just despise every single one of the Boston Bruins players. Yeah, I I feel the exact same way about it. It's like I can ignore the Bruins when we're not playing them only because you don't see the things that they get away with yeah. when you're not playing them. Case in point, Charlie McAvoy on Artari Lekin in this game. You're not seeing that clip circulating everywhere. People talking about like, oh, potential punishment. You had 
like Nick Felino fighting Andreas Englund over a clean hit and AJ Greer getting in his face. And I know this isn't a big deal, but the end of that fight rubbed me the wrong way where Felino, they're bear hugging each other and he tackles him to the ice when Englund doesn't have his helmet on. It worked out, but that that's dangerous. And they he got away with that one for sure, that Anglin didn't whack his head on the ice and have a concussion, if not worse. Like that the ice is hard. I Very s- hard. I saw that and immediately like, is he okay? I saw his head snap back. I did see yeah. that too. I was like, that's that's really dangerous. And I know it's not a big deal. And I'm not saying Felino's a terrible person for doing that. He'd probably yeah. just trying to end the fight, but still, like that's that's borderline. Like you're really pushing it. And then you have AJ Greer late in the game. It's five to one going head hunting on the rookie Sampo Ranta, who again was targeted in this foodie, game. foodie, foodie. Yeah, foodie. I'm sorry. I don't know why I get those two mixed up, but yeah, it's it was all good. foodie. Yeah. Foodie in this game was just getting targeted by the Bruins for some reason. Especially like the can opener by Marshan. Yeah. Off, I like, hate that guy. What I are you doing? Like, like, I feel like, oh, he's such a rat. He gets in guys' head, but just like, dude, what is like, just what's wrong with you? Getting your head by fucking tripping people. Like, I get Brad Marchand is a very good hockey player. He's got to be one of the cheapest motherfuckers that we've ever seen in the game. Like, I just despise that guy. Even guys who I think are super likable, like Pasternak and Bergeron, because they play for the Bruins, I fucking hate their guts. Like, it's them. It's their fan base. They are just the worst type of fucking people. And guess what? They've been good for what? 15 straight years now. They've won one Stanley cup. One. one. That's all you got to show for it. You, you shithead you Boston fans. They've won five. Yeah. They've won one Stanley cup in like 50 years. They lost to Jordan Bennington in a Stanley cup final. Yeah. You lost to Bennington in his rookie season. You had that Stanley cup essentially handed to you game seven at home and you blew it. Why do we treat these guys? Like they're such winners. I fucking hate Boston. And they come to, they come to ball arena. I honestly, like I'll have to go because I know my section is going to be all fucking Bruins fans, but I have to represent for the abs next Wednesday because Boston fans are just the worst type of fans just of all time. Like, I think everyone across the nation can agree Boston fans are the absolute fucking worst at about everything. And it brings me so much joy that the Patriots suck, the Red Sox suck, and the Bruins aren't going to win a Stanley Cup this year. So I hope they go through fucking hell. Like, I despise Boston fans and just people from Boston in the general area. Like, fuck Boston and everything they stand for, man. (laughs) I fucking hate Boston. This is a very new side of you, man. We don't usually see It's just, they drive me up a fucking wall and they're so arrogant and they haven't won shit. They won one Stanley Cup in the, what they've been, when was their cup? 2009? 2011. It's been over 10 years, so it doesn't matter anymore. Who the fuck cares, man? If a Stanley Cup is over 10 years old, my rule is you can no longer use that in discussions. You lost to the Blackhawks in game six on one of the greatest collapses of all time in a game six. Yeah, they, Hilarious. Have, they have their chances and they have blown all of them. Yes. Like it's fucking just drives me crazy, dude. And it's not just the Bruins. It's just, I hate the Patriots. I fucking hate the Red Sox. It's just all Boston. They, they just fucking suck. Yeah, and we've had this conversation on the show before. I remember that first game we played against Boston last year. We specifically had this conversation after their, their representation at Ball Arena yeah. in that game, the Avs tied late and won in overtime where they were just absurdly obnoxious. And I always go back to, well, where would you rather watch a game, Colorado or Boston? It's a shithole in Boston, man. Fucking shitty town and ugh, 
just great. It, just grinds it, my gears, man. It, this doesn't just apply to the Bruins. This also applies to Winnipeg from last week as well. Like, yeah, yeah you guys beat the defending champs. You are. I think also, that comes with the territory. That I, doesn't I, drive I, me crazy. I know, but, but I'm also saying you are blatantly ignoring the fact that we don't have players, and I get it. It's I'm not mad about it. And I'm not being salty about it. But every time I see it, it's like, oh, we're putting a route on the defending champs. Like, yeah, I guess, technically, if you want to look at it that way and blatantly ignore the fact that this is very clearly not the defending champs that played Tampa in the final. But, you know, Go ahead. my favorite part is Winnipeg fucking talks all that shit and then they lose to Columbus. <laughs> they didn't just lose. They got blown out by the Blue Jackets. Patrick Line scoring on them. They got blown out four to one in their building. Like, not we're just going off on so many hate tangents yeah. right now because we're just always so positive and it all comes out at once. Well, but I, I think Avs fans in general have a right to be mad right now because this is just bad luck right now. Like, if we're getting back to the Avs, like it's just it's absurd how many injuries they have. And I know Vegas got ravaged with injuries last year, but they did that to themselves in the fact that they had no depth players and that when the star players went out, they were fucked. The Avs are having injuries to their star players and their depth players. Like, this is insane right now. But you said at the top of the show, we've lost four of our top six. Yeah, and it's only gotten worse. We've been without two of them for most of the season. We've been without Landeskog for the entire time. Haven't had Nachushkin play since late October. It's been over a month at this point. And when it comes to Rodriguez, he's week to week, and we don't have an exact timetable. We don't know what's wrong with Lekin, and right now, maybe he only misses a couple of games. Maybe he misses a couple of weeks. Maybe he broke his arm. Like we just, we don't have an answer right now in any of it. And all of our depth guys have been getting hurt. Like I, I just can't remember a case where it all just piles up this badly. Because last year, like I've said multiple times, it was like McKinnon misses a game every here and there. McCarr misses a game. You're missing Landeskog late in the season. We were never fully healthy. We were always missing one, two, sometimes three guys. But it was never like this. It's just, it's really irritating because it's just something that we've got to survive for the next little while. And like you said, go 500. And I don't know, you just, you can't draw conclusions about anything right now. We're just kind of stuck in this purgatory where we've got to wait it out and just play with a shorter racetrack than all these other teams this season. Yeah. I mean, the I forgot who tweeted this out, but I couldn't agree with it more. This abs team as it stands right now, they have to get out to a lead. They are not built to come back right now. And it's kind of the same game plan where it is. It's like, we got to jump out to the lead and then we can just lock it down and hopefully hold on to this game and pray to God we get like four or five power plays and we score two or three times. That's the only way we're winning right now. Like that's just it's what it's what we have right now. So yeah. it's it's not an indication of what this Avs team's going to be. They're going to be just fine. We just got to get healthy, man. And I'm not even saying just get healthy. We just need to get like half the guys back and I'll be fine. We just need half of them. Yeah, like, like if we get Byram and Nachushkin back in the next week or two, I'm living life, man. That's a great – I'll take that all honestly, day. I think we would be fine if we yeah. just had those two guys. But honestly, you just give me Nachushkin, immediate difference. I say this yeah. every single episode. You get just Nachushkin back alone, you see immediate difference. Maybe he doesn't win a game like this single-handedly, but it's a lot closer. And yes. you can – 
You can see the difference when Nachushkin is playing versus when he's not. Go back to October when this team was struggling out of the gates a little bit and him and Georgiev were dragging this team to wins they did not deserve, essentially. He is a monster. And again, I really don't think we can say enough how important Gabe Landeskog is, the captain, the emotional leader of this team. Not to mention, he had 30 goals in March before he missed the rest of the season. That guy is good, and he's going to make this team better when he comes back. Byram's going to make this team a lot better when he comes back, solidify the back end. We're going to be without Manson for a little bit, and doesn't matter what your opinion on him is. He's important. Would you rather have him or Anglin? Yeah, exactly. It's an NHL defenseman. So, yeah, I mean, we just need to get some guys back. We'll be fine. It's just these games are frustrating because it's like I know if the abs are even like 50% healthy, they probably give this game a lot better chance. Like, to me, these just feel like pointless games to play because it's like I I wasted three hours watching that game knowing the conclusion. And maybe that's just because we're spoiled abs fans and we're not used to our team getting blown out like this. But um, it's just frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. And also, I, I promise you there's probably some listeners who are in Boston who are abs fans. I... I want you to know that you're excluded from my rant. You're excluded. Yeah, see, um, this, is, this is the part of the show where we calm down. Calm down. Yeah. Bit. I got it out of me, though. I feel a lot better. I'm going to be honest with you. That's, you know what? And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you yeah. need a little catharsis. And Boston, they just they just bring it out of us sometimes. No, they're the worst. They're Every the worst. time we've played Boston in the history of this podcast, this is now number three, we have come on the podcast and talked about, like, man, I fucking hate Boston yeah. so much. And again, that is not to put a blanket over every Bruins fan. There are some very nice Bruins fans that I have met over the, the last couple of years. But the the public representation of the Boston Bruins fans is not always pleasant, especially the ones that you interact with most of the Did time. Did you see those ones like doing the crying I, face? I was gonna I was gonna mention like, them, but it's like, dude, like it's the same thing. It's like we don't have players. Relax. Yeah. Calm the fuck down, dude. Right. Like, but, okay. First of all, it's December. Yeah. Second of all, you're not playing the abs. You are playing the Eagles with McKinnon and Ranton. And like, yeah. bring it down a notch. You were like, bring it down. You were minus 200 favorites in this game. That's probably the biggest out dog the abs been in a while. But there was one last thing I wanted to touch on in this game. And it's just, <laughs> do you, you got to feel bad for Pavel Francis. He is just our sacrificial lamb for all of these games where it's like, we're going to get the shit kicked out of us in this game. Uh, Frankie, you're in net. <laughs> I do because he he was fine in this game like and he gives up five goals and he's like an 875 on the game but like like everyone else what the hell is this guy supposed to do like come on what do you want from him he's a 907 he's two and five on the season and he's been brilliant all year and you look at his numbers like oh the abs they're their backup goaltenders not very good it's all Georgiev carrying the show and that's just not true like it's it's and it sucks because Frankie's been good. That Carolina game is going to go down as one of the best goaltending performances in Avs history. He stole that game single-handedly. He's been run over multiple times by his own defenseman. And, man, what do you want? I, I don't know what else you want from him. I, I, I feel bad for him because he's just been the sacrificial lamb. Um, and just, Frankie, just know that us Avs fans appreciate you. And we appreciate your sacrifice because this can't be easy. So 
Um, I'm ready to move off that game unless you got anything else to talk about. I mean, not really, but yeah, we we can move on. Let's move on to a much uh, more entertaining game abs perspective wise against the Buffalo Sabres who we talked about it on the show uh, on Wednesday. This was going to be a very fun game. The Sabres are, I think we chose a good team to hitch our wagon to as our, as like our East team, because in a couple of years, if they keep progressing the way they are, they're going to be a really good hockey team. And Tage Thompson kicks so much ass. Um, Jeff Skinner's revitalized. I just really, I really, really like this Buffalo team. Um, and boy, oh boy, did this game deliver because both sides, both teams were just defense was optional in this game. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of bounce back game that the abs needed after Winnipeg Buffalo is not very good defensively. They don't have a lot of fun goaltending like Ukapeka Lukanen is assumably the future of Sabres goaltending. He has been for like a while now. We're still waiting for that to be delivered on, but the Sabres are so fun. They're so talented. They're just not there yet. They're so young and they're just, they've got holes in their lineup, but we all know that one day this is going to be a powerhouse of a hockey team. And man, they are so fun. Like you said, Tage Thompson is disgusting that to be that tall and that skilled should be illegal. He, when they signed him to that contract that what was it? Seven years, eight, million or something like that seven by 56 i thought that was a drastic overpay that could be a fantastic deal in three four years because my my problem with it was like well they did it a year too early you had one good year and you're gonna yeah first line center money i mean because right now he's making 1.4 on this deal now the next one he makes 7.1 which is pretty comparable to what kadri is going to be making on his contract that's gonna be a steal yeah. 100%. He is 25, Tage Thompson is, and 38 goals last year. He's already at 15 in 24 games and 32 points. He is a monster. The goal he scored on Georgiev in this game, like he's so patient and he's done so many of them. All 15 mm-hmm. of his goals have been bangers. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, the only problem for Tage Thompson in this game is uh, Nathan McKinnon decided, oh, yeah, I'm that fucking guy again. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was fantastic in this game. Five points, two goals, three assists. You could say almost single-handedly won the abs the game with the way he played. Um, but also it was a very bold strategy on Buffalo's part to just leave him wide open all the time. Very bold strategy. Yeah. The Sabres offensively, they're, they're getting there defensively. They still got a lot of work to do. That's for sure. But Another guy who also lit it up in this game, along with Tage Thompson, was JT Comfer. The the rivalry of we traded Ryan O'Reilly. Tage Thompson was the return for Buffalo when they traded him. And Comfer was a return for us from Buffalo when we traded them Ryan O'Reilly. And the crazy part is Comfer had the better game. It's pretty hilarious. Like career high four points for JT Comfer. Um, He was really good in this game. And... Like you said at the beginning, he's not a second-line player. He's just not. He's a really good third-line, fourth-liner. Uh, but he stepped up in this game, and he was fantastic. That first goal was kind of lucky. Uh, the second one was a – remind me who set him up on that. Uh, who set him up on o- that? It was O'Connor. And Connor. It was O'Connor. That's right. That was a good play by LOC. 
And then he had two assists too. Like I, I thought JT was really solid in this game and he has flashes, but that's kind of what you expect to have a third line. They have flashes of moments where you're like, wait a second, if we give this guy more minutes, you think he can produce like this? And it's like, oh, no, we know what JT Comfer is. Like he's a solid depth player, but if you give him more minutes, he's just going to be solid. He's not going to be great. Yeah. I mean, in Comfer, like he's just been kind of snake bitten so far mm-hmm. this season. He has not been playing bad whatsoever. If yeah. anything, this is probably one of the better versions of JT Comfer I've ever seen in his career, game over game. He's been really good defensively and just making smart plays. The goals just haven't been there. And he's finally able to pick up two in this game. And the Avs needed every goal they could get in this game. This game was very momentum heavy. The Avs power play in the second period got them out to a big lead. And the penalties in this game, the it was hilarious. You would thought it was a beer league game. Like my God, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and then we've only just gotten to the end of the second period at this point. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different penalties in this game. At some point, you gotta just let them go. Fifteen different penalties, man. Like. Come I on. almost respect the fact that the refs just kept calling him. Honestly, I do too. At least it's consistent. What do I always ask for? Consistency. What was a call in the first period was a call in the third period on both teams. We had six power plays in this game, and Buffalo had seven. Both teams had a five on three. Both. And they both scored on it. Yes. Like, this was actually, like, even though it was a ton of penalty, it was probably one of the most evenly called games we'll see all year. Yeah, right. I, like, ironically, it was a horrible game for officiating and also the most fair. Yeah, like, it was crazy. They were calling everything, every ticky-tack thing they were calling. And luckily, the Avs power play was just a little bit better than Buffalo's. Um, although Buffalo moved the puck so well on some of their power plays, and it's like, thank God for Alexander Georgiev. But it was it was a fun game until the third period when you're just like clenching your butt the entire time. Like, please just hold on to this, please. For the love of God, just hold on to this game. That's all I'm asking. Um, and they did, but period could not have started worse. No, that was such a cool play too. Like just such a great play from Thompson and Darlene to set that whole thing up for Alex Tuck seven seconds into the third period. Like you, you get that comp for goal late in the second period after the Buffalo five on three goal and you're feeling good. You're up to, Seven seconds in, that's all gone. It's It was such a smart play. There was really nothing Georgiev could do. And it's just, it was a set play. They knew exactly what they were doing. They won the draw clean and just got Tuck all alone. It's one of those plays where it, it takes a lot for Devon Taves to be outsmarted on the ice. He got beat on this play. It doesn't happen often. Like he was caught flat-footed, didn't expect it. And credit to Buffalo for knowing their their arena. They know where how the puck bounces, and they probably practice that play at the end of uh, practice every day. And it was an awesome play. And I thought he missed it. The way the camera angle worked, I thought he didn't score. Yeah, I thought the same too. I I just kind of actually I don't even I don't even know what I was saying. I don't think I was ready. I was like, oh, the, per- the period start. What do you mean they? Sc- we just started. What could it? What could have possibly happened in seven goddamn seconds? But yeah, the Avs they they come out on top for the rest of the period. They played well, and the thing, the difference between this game and Boston is you can get away with taking a bunch of penalties and making some bad decisions against the Sabers because while they're fun, they're not that good yet. They've still got a lot of time left in the oven. You go back to the Boston game, 
and you give the Bruins two straight power plays, you're letting Pasternak get breakaways, they're going to absolutely torch you. This was a game for the Av that they kind of needed after getting lit up against the Jets. Here's the thing, is the Avs in their current situation, if they can just continue to beat the teams that they should beat, they'll be fine. It's if you start losing games like we do, like if we lose to Philadelphia on Monday, that could be a little bit different of a story. Like you need to just continue to win the games that you're supposed to win and you'll be fine through this whole situation. They may shock a team every once in a while at home just because playing in Denver is a little bit tougher. They could. But if you can just continue to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, like Buffalo, like Philadelphia, like you can throw the Rangers in there right now too, um, you'll be fine. Like this whole situation will blow over and you'll be just a-okay. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into big payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. I mean, ideally, you have the Flyers coming up on the road. They've looked a little better lately, but they're a bottom team in the NHL. I mean, they beat the Islanders recently, but you should be able to go into Philadelphia. Injuries be damned and have your stars take over and have your goaltending at least hold down the fort for a, a win. Doesn't matter if it's five four or two to one. You just got to find a way to win. Oh, that game's going to be like a two one game, just because I think Yorgiev's going to play crazy. Uh, I mean, Carter Hart's had a bounce back year, which good for him. I ho- I hope he can continue to get better. Is he I, falling I, off a little bit? I haven't been watching. Bit. I mean that I I say that with that goal that he gave up in mind recently. I forget who they were playing. Where it was. Oh, they were playing uh, Tampa. And he had that puck bounce off the boards, bounce on the ice bounce off of his skate and off the post and off his skate again and into the net. But he started hot. He's probably still one of the better ones, but he's, he's cooled off lately. He's, I just hope he continues to get better. Cause I do think he's a good goalie. Um, but I, I think the abs have a chance in that one before we get too far into that. Is there anything else you want to do with Buffalo? Anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, just penalties have been a problem lately for the Avs. They take seven in this game. Granted, it was a very, tightly officiated they called everything then they also take five against the bruins coming up 12 penalties in two games is is just not going to cut it as much as i've i've loved john luke foodie and his game lately he takes a lot of penalties that's just i think it's rookie mistakes i like what he's brought to the team but he is so very clearly not ready for the nhl Um, he's closer than i thought he was when we last talked about him because he there is something there with him that there is. is raw and not done yet. But give this guy another season, the HL, maybe two at most. There's a player here in John Luke Foodie, one that I think might be worth holding on to. I agree. He he's definitely shown something. 
I think when I think of John Luke Foodie, I kind of think of him and Oscar Olsen in the same breath. Like I think Olausen, when he gets another year or two in the AHL, I think we're going to be talking about him the way we do about Foodie because Foodie's played two years with the Eagles now, and you can definitely tell the difference in the way he's played. But I I like the way Foodie's played so far, but I also don't like the way he's played so far, if that makes sense. Like there's yeah, been good I think and that there's been bad. Sense. He's a rookie put in a situation that nobody planned for him to be in this season. I don't think any of us saw John Luke Foody even get in a single game, nothing against him, but there's just so many guys in front of him and all of them went down. And from what he showed when he's not taking penalties, I like, he looks good. He's making smart decisions. He's only played two games. Is it two or three games so far? Three. He's played three games so far. I like them. He's playing well. He, he just takes a bunch of penalties but you give him a few games to calm his nerves. You get Bednar to tell him to knock it the fuck off. And I think those will start to go away. And you'll start to see him making smarter plays. Once guys get healthy, he's going to go back down immediately. But big, giant picture, this might be good in the long-term development of Foodie, getting that NHL experience. And also just kind of getting his ass kicked a little bit. Like This is a, a tough time to be making your NHL debut on this team. But I, I got to say, like, he's he's probably my favorite prospect on this team right now. I, I know Olausen's the big one. I'm really rooting for Foodie. I've loved this guy ever since we drafted him. And it's it's good to see that there is something there at the NHL level. He's not getting completely destroyed. He's making rookie mistakes. Like, you know, it's fine. I'm not going to hold that too much against him. He's in a really tough spot. But I like him. There's definitely something there. I think if it's a good situation for him and he was called up and could play with a guy like Cogliano or Helm, I think he'd be playing a lot better uh, because his situation right now is you pair him with Alex Newhook, who's young and up and coming, good defensively. And then you have Alex Galchenyuk, who's probably one of the worst defensive players in the league. So I wonder if he's trying to cover for Galchenyuk. There's probably a lot of smarter hockey analysis out there who are like, yeah, John Luke is just trying to cover for Galchenyuk's ass. Um, well, he was all he was also getting like some top line minutes at some point, yeah. McKinnon and Rantanen, because that's how desperate we are at this point. And again, nothing against Foodie, but no one saw that coming this season. No. Foodie is not only going to play, but we're going to be in a position where this is literally our best choice for a, a top line partner with McKinnon and Rantanen. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be good. I think you give him a little bit more seasoning in there, and he'll be fine. But yeah, I. They've left a lot desired with that third line. I wouldn't even say a lot to be desired. Like, we know what those players are. Like, I feel like Newhook's kind of getting the raw end of the deal more than anyone. Uh, Galchenyuk, we knew when we signed him. We knew what he was going to be. Like, he's very predictable what he is. He's been okay. I've, like, I haven't been a fan so far, I have to admit. But a lot of that also comes with, this is a guy with a very particular skill set and a team that really doesn't have a choice right now, but to try to ride it out with him, a guy who's not accustomed to the system. And I don't know if he'll ever be because that he's just that kind of player, but I think you give him time, you let guys get healthy and you, you put, you got to put this guy in a sheltered role. You have to, you don't have a, another choice. This guy See, is. I, I almost think that they just say, fuck it and play him on the top line. If Lecky's out. I don't know. He, I, I haven't seen enough offensively the thing he's supposed to be good at to earn it. That, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you, but McKinnon if we're in full fuck it mode. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but McKinnon and Rantanen are our guys right now. 
And when we're on the road, especially, they're going to be matched up with the best of the best the other team has to throw our way. Galchenyuk is an anchor defensively. He he has been, he always has been. And I don't want our top guys being forced to back check because one of their guys just can't do it. I agree, but it, it would be like, I could see him just saying, fuck it, because who else are we going to put on that top line? And honestly, like you might just get that by default because we're going to have two other guys get hurt against Philly, and then there's going to be nobody left. <laughs> there's going to be no one Like, I, I forget who they say in the next one called up for the Eagles is, and it's like, Jesus Christ, where have we gone this low? Like, it's Charles Houdon, I think, was the next one that they're in line to call up. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I would prefer Sampo Ranta, but that's we just We could bring me. up Ranta. We could bring back Olaus. I mean, we have surprisingly good minor league depth. Like, we're not, like, breaking into, like, the – the, the Callahan Burks of the world quite yet, but a lot of teams, they generally don't have that. We have a, a good system in the Eagles. Thank God, because we are seeing all of it right now. We, at least we have options in case more people get hurt, which they uh, inevitably they will. They inevitably will. But I mean, just, just looking at these lines again, it just goes back to what I said at the beginning of the episode. What the hell are we supposed to do when your second line is Andrew Cogliano JT Comfort and Logan O'Connor, and they're actually playing well, but they're just so far above their heads that you can't even be upset about anything. Gauchenyuk, Newhook, and Foodie, you have a combined this season so far, you have a combined 25 games, 21 of which are from Newhook, and then you have a fourth line of Bleed, Magna, and Hunt. Who actually weren't terrible either. I, they've been... They've been playing well considering the circumstance. Yeah. Did you know Jason Magna has played 12 games this season? Yes, I did know that. I don't know how. I've I just legitimately never noticed the guy when he plays. I think he took a penalty and I said out loud, "Wow, I forgot he was playing." Yeah. I he may be my Curtis McDermott of the year and I'm just cheering for him to score a goal. I'm that, I'm cheering for him to get a goddamn point. Like yeah. <laughs> is on the ice so often. I never notice him, and he never even picks up a point. Nothing against the guy. Jason Magna is Jason Magna, and he always has been Jason Magna. He's always been a 15th forward in the NHL. It's like one year in Vancouver we played 60 games. But I like Jason Magna, but, man, I just forget he's here sometimes. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. Um, I'm rooting for him to score a goal, but it's – if we're looking ahead to Monday against the Flyers, like you said earlier, the Flyers, they started hot. They've kind of fallen off a little bit. The shine of John Tortorella has kind of shined off a little bit. Um, and you're realizing the Flyers maybe aren't that good of a team. I think-, I think this is going to be a very close game just because the Avs are so beat up. But in the end, the Avs still have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Kale McCarr, hopefully by the time this game's over. And I think that's going to propel them to a three, two victory. I agree with that. I mean, man, the flyers, they haven't been the, the circus that I was expecting them to be, but they're almost there. They're not quite there yet. Did you see the, the Chuck Fletcher quote? I think from yesterday. No. What do you say? I have to have the exact, quote. I thought I tweeted it out, but I think I put it back in my draft somewhere. It was basically Fletcher talking about how, well, they're not out of it yet. It's still early in the season and they're they're gonna get back in, in the in the playoff race. Like I love that. I love it. I I have to find it because it's so much worse than that. It's so, so bad. Because he genuinely I love that. 
That is awesome. Oh man, I have to find this. I have to find this. Please like talk. Yeah, no, because here's the thing. If you're the Flyers, you're kind of in a good situation because if you can get these star players like the Cam Atkinsons of the world and some guys you could trade and offload at the deadline and stockpile assets, this is a good draft to do it. Like you need to do that. But if their owner is still thinking that they need to contend for the playoffs, that's just that's just not smart. Like the Flyers are not going to make make the playoffs this year. They they aren't going to make the playoffs in the next four or five years. So why as well add some talent? It's just well, that's, mind-boggling. That's the thing. They refuse to ever do it. And I have the quote. I finally found it from two days ago. Chuck Fletcher, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, the guy who makes the calls on what the Flyers are going to do, says, I expect to be more competitive the rest of the way. We're five points out of a wild card spot. We'll see. The the delusion that is surrounding this franchise right now. I get it. John Tortorella brings structure to a team. There is no talent here. The Flyers do not have any talent. So just getting back to this point before I go on a whole tirade about the Flyers, because we've gone on some rampages so far this episode. (laughs) But the Avs, even with their injuries, you can argue maybe the Flyers have better depth right now. The Avs still should win this game with McKinnon, Rantanen, Taze, Makar, and presumably Georgiev playing in net. The Flyers do not have any star power. And I think the Avs are going to win this game four to two, maybe one, maybe with an empty netter as well. But the Avs usually like we saw in the Buffalo game, they got their butts kicked by Winnipeg. They come back, they have a strong game against the Sabres. They score six goals. They got their butts kicked by the Bruins. That's not going to sit well with them. And much like the game against the Sabres, the Flyers are a good team to have a bounce back game against. They're a very good team to have a bounce back against. And I do think they play better. It's just, in the end, I think we are just the far superior team to Philadelphia, even with these injuries. Like the top in talent is still heavy towards the Avs being the favorites. Um, I think they bounce back. I think it's 3 1. I think it's a low scoring game. I think it's 2 1 going into the third and then empty nutter at the end. But uh, it's a good get right game. And then, even as almost disastrous as this road trip you could say has been, you still finish 500. Like, even though you get blown out in two games, you win the other two, you finish 500 and you get four of eight points on this road trip. Yeah. I mean, you're fine. You really don't have a ton to worry about. It's like I said, he, the whole point of the regular season is to draw conclusions for the playoffs. You can't draw any conclusions about this team right now. It's just a complete waste of time and energy. And there's always going to be people that are upset about losses and everything. You you can't change that. You can't reason with them or anything. Just let them be upset. There are a lot of rational people that listen to this show, and I I trust all of you to understand what's going on here. And the Avs are just in a world of shit right now, and they there's really nothing anyone can do about it. We just have to wait and hope that it does not continue to get worse. Because as we've seen, it can always be worse. It could always be worse. Last episode being like, how could it get worse? We just found out. It's gotten worse. It's gotten much worse. And that was the funny part. It's like the Manson injury. Like, I feel like I kind of noticed it in the Buffalo game. Cause I'm like, wow, I haven't seen Josh Manson in a while. Maybe I'm just tripping or I'm just not seeing it, but it's been weird. I feel like I haven't seen him in a minute. And then it comes out that he's hurt and you're like, well, fuck. And then Lekkanen gets hurt. And I kind of noticed I was like, 
in the Boston game, I was like, why isn't Lekkonen on the top power play unit? Where is he? Yeah, and that, was, like, that was the first indication. Like, where does Le- like do they trust Newhook that much all of a sudden? Well, I thought because it was like, oh, the Avs just got off a of PK. Maybe he was still tired from that. And then the game slowly wore on, and I was like, what? fuck, he's hurt. He's fucking hurt. Like, this is just I, – I, we're at that point with injuries that you're just hoping it's no more than a week. You're hoping it's a day-to-day type of thing. That's what you're hoping for. Yeah. And so, so again, there's just really nothing that anybody can do at this point. You just have to stick it out and wait. Do also want to mention on the Flyers, they are 1-6-3 and three in their last 10. Their one win was a 3-1 win over the Islanders after they lost 5-2 to the Islanders three days prior. And their last win before that was November 8th against St. Louis. This is not a good team. Injuries be damned, you should still win this game. Correct. Correct. I completely agree. So that's awesome. You're going to beat them. Come back home. Survive another week. (laughs) And just try again. Like we've said before, December is literally off day game, off day game. Like there's no breakup coming for the abs until Christmas. So you just need to survive this month. Just survive. Just stay in the hunt and you'll be fine. And you know, even if you get to the end of the season, like let's say this team is fully healthy in February or something like that. And let's say you miss out on the top of the central by like three points. The only thing that matters is getting in. Even if, even if this somehow gets worse and this season starts to spiral and we're, God forbid, third in the central. I mean, whoa, I don't want to get I don't want to get too scary here. Yeah. But even if that happens, if this team is healthy towards the end of the season and is healthy going into round one of the playoffs, they are the Stanley Cup favorite. No, no one wants to play them. Nobody wants to play them. Like, honestly... I'd kind of like it if we started on the road in the play and we were like underdogs or something like Tampa does. They do it every single year. It's really not a big deal. Even if the worst case scenarios come to pass, this team's going to be fine until they lose four games in the playoffs. It's not the end of the world. They're going to make the playoffs. Literally not a single seed of a doubt in any, even the smallest rational people possible. Everyone knows this team's going to make the playoffs. As long as they get in and when they're healthy, everything's going to be fine. They'll be fine. Like it's going to be, I would agree. It would be pretty fucking funny if we were like the two seed and we have to go like, how awesome would it be if we're like, God forbid, a wild card and we have to go into Vegas and we just sweep them in the first, <laughs> just sweep them like, in four games. Because then we would be that team. Yeah. Like, oh, are you kidding me? We won our division and we have to play the Avalanche. Oh, that would suck. Avalanche team. Like, you remember what we were doing with Vegas last year? Like, we won the the West and we get to play a healthy Vegas team. Like, what a joke. I mean, mean, they'd be doing that to us this year. I, uh, that's, that's not going to happen because I just think that the Avs are too talented and they're going to get guys back. Like, none of these guys are knock on wood out for the year like it's it, they all have an end date of them coming back like the, so, the teams like the blue jackets where they like half of their lineup is like already done for the season yeah it, it could be worse our guys have paths to returning and so there's light at the end of the tunnel it's like you said you just win the games you're supposed to win this month you gotta beat up on the flyers like i like i feel more for this flyers game than i did against for this bruins game yes i knew we were gonna lose 
There, unless barring a miracle, barring another Carolina game, we were not going to win. You've got to win these games against Philly, against these lower end teams like Buffalo, like Philly. The Rangers are on a downturn right now. They just lost the Blackhawks. We're even right now. We are better than the Chicago Blackhawks. So I'd say by transitive property, you sh- probably should beat the Rangers. But again, the Blues, I'd certainly like to. I'll say that much. I'd love to. I'd love to. Certainly enjoy beating the St. Louis Blues. I will say that much. But there's a there's still a bunch of winnable games this month. Maybe you just got to go up against Boston at home and just hope for the best. But if you we'll get a point out of that game, I'll love get life. a point out of that game. Even if you keep it close, I think you got to take some kind of moral victory out of that because as much shit as we've talked about Boston, they're good. Jim Montgomery has has gotten that team to a different level because it's not like they had like a crazy offseason where because we we came into the season thinking that is Boston a bubble playoff team they might not yeah. even make it this year with all their injuries they've been spectacular Pasternak's been a superstar like they've added guys like Pavel Zaka cast off from the Devils who's been really good for them Krejci's come back and been a point per game Taylor Hall's been really good and all of a sudden they have out of nowhere, four lines where for like six straight years, they've only had one line and Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman is probably the best goaltending duo in the league. I'd agree. Yeah. Like they're, they're good. You got to give them credit, but you knew coming into this game, we didn't have a chance coming back home. You have a better one, but if we're being real, it w- yeah. it's going to take something. Yeah. So it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We'll break that down more coming up next week. But before we get out of here, we, we should make ourselves feel better and laugh at something. Um, thankfully, Jordan, I'm thankful you brought this up because I almost yeah. Because Jordan Bennington is probably the biggest clown in the NHL at the moment. And we had this discussion off air. Is he the most hated player in the league? You said yes. I still think it's Marshan just because I think he's a fucking clown and a rat. But you had a pretty good point on Bennington. Yeah, like I get what you're saying with Marshawn. I really do. But you do have to respect Marshawn a little bit because he is one of the best players in the NHL. And as clowny as he are, his his tactics do work. Jordan Bennington is just a fucking piss baby. Everyone agrees this guy is a whiny piece of shit that nobody likes, nobody respects. And his own coach today is telling him, knock it off. Tend the fucking goal. Stop being a piss baby every time someone comes close to you. He punches Jason Zucker in the face as he goes around his net, gets pulled in the game against the Penguins, and then has his mask off, chirping the bench, but he has to make sure that the ref is in front of him because this guy never opens his goddamn mouth unless there is at least an official within hugging distance of him. I have never seen this guy have an altercation without an official right there. There's always someone there to save him. It's always as he's leaving the ice, he gives the goalie a bump, tries to start some shit, and is just skating as fast as he can to the bench. Nobody respects this guy. He's the biggest joke in the league. Everyone knows it. Is he going to go down as one of the worst goaltenders to win a Stanley Cup ever? He's probably going to be up there. I mean... Credit where it's due, he hasn't been awful this season. But I feel like his attitude has been even worse if that's somehow possible. Yeah. But like, you do you know how bad you have to be for me 
to be taking the side of the Pittsburgh Penguin. <laughs> you understand how bad you have to be for me to look at that and go, yeah, the Penguins are the one in the right here. It's like that meme where it's like the two hands shaking and it's like Pittsburgh Penguins, Griffin, Jordan Bennington in the Jordan middle hatred. Hating Jordan Bennington because, man, this I just I have never hated a player more than I hate Jordan Bennington. And usually I'm usually in the minority when it comes to players I dislike. I have not seen anyone outside of St. Louis defend this guy. There's there's no nuance. There's no, well, he brings this. He's just a fucking nuisance. He doesn't get in people's heads like you, like Brad Marchand, Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson. Like they're always up there on everyone's dislike list. At least they do something. Even Ryan Reeves, who sucks, is some kind of valuable to his own team and offers some kind of mythological deterrence. Jordan Bennington just does nothing. He doesn't get in anyone's head. He doesn't, he doesn't even do his antics during the game. He just punches someone in the face gives up three more goals, gets pulled and starts shit talking while he's leaving, knowing that no one's going to hurt him. And even with the, the cadre thing last year, just lays on the ice. And then afterwards off the camera, chucks a water bottle, like just the weakest shit imaginable. No one respects this guy and they they never will. Cause this is just who he is. The thing is like, like Marshan does dirty shit, but he at least tries to hide it. I feel like Bennington does dirty shit and just does it so blatantly. You're like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, at least try to hide it. Well, that goes back to the point I'm making. Marshan does his shit during the game. Like, yeah, he starts shit. And back when he had Chara on his team, he would just sick Chara on whoever was trying to get back at him and disintegrate into the back of the pile, which he still does. Oh, he's still, he's a bitch. He's a bitch. I am not going to argue with you on that. Brad Marshan is a rat bitch, but. Jordan Bennington does his shit as he's leaving or when he knows that he cannot be touched. Like remember when he just like swung that stick at Kadri last oh, yeah. in the regular season, just like just the kind of thing that makes you go, like, what is your problem? This has nothing to do with the game. This isn't gamesmanship. You're not protecting your players. You just can't handle anything. It's really strange. Did Zucker even do anything to him beforehand that set no, him off? He or just went around just... his net. Yeah. I wasn't watching the game, but. It was just he's he's Jordan Bennington and he's hilariously bad. So I I just enjoy watching him. Um, one of my favorite videos I've ever made was that one I made to the uh, uh, I forget what soundtrack, what show it is, um, but it's that like why am I forgetting that? Oh, curb your enthusiasm. That's what it was. And that that was one of the greatest videos I ever made, and it was just him to all the goals he allowed to the Abs. But yeah, he's a clown. He's a little bitch. And I I honestly kind of respect Craig Baruby more for being like, yo, dude, chill the fuck out. Because yeah. I feel like most no. times, even if coaches know their players wrong, they'll back them up. But in this case, it's like, dude, we're sick of your shit too. Yeah. And like the point that has to get to in the room for the coach to come out to the media and be like, he's got to stop this. That means they've had this conversation multiple times. His teammates have had this conversation with him multiple times and he just refuses to stop it's like the kind of thing where it's like you're not helping anyone like you're never going to have a Bruin say Brad Marchand's got to knock it off because it helps them it genuinely does you're not going to have Minnesota be like oh Ryan Reeves needs to stop Tom Wilson needs to stop and knock it off because why would you want them to stop Jordan Bennington's just actively hurting his teams he got a misconduct for that 
yeah, he, he's just, he's a loser. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I, I really find him funny. I, I think it's going to get to the point with the refs too, where they're just going to be like, let this guy get his shit kicked in. And then maybe he'll stop. Maybe that's what the blues say to fucking the refs is like, if he gets in some shit, let it fucking go. Like he just needs to get his shit rocked. Yeah. Like, cause you really rarely ever see teams come to his defense when he does like the first couple times they did. And now they're like, dude, you're you're causing this. The thing was like, this was a thing long before St. Louis for him. Like I remember that thing he had against the sharks. Yeah. Was I last season or two seasons ago? Two Devin seasons ago. It was against Devin Dubnik. That's how yeah, long Devin, that was. Oh, my God, Jesus. Yeah, it was Devin Dubnik where he he got pulled and he, like, runs into Devin Dubnik, tries to start a fight, and, like, evaporates to the locker room. No Blues tried to defend him. And I, rem- I remember that because it was a thing where he was going between the ECHL and the AHL for a long time, and he would just do this shit. Like, the guy's just a hothead. It's this. It's just so strange because nothing sets him off. It's just he just decides I don't like this guy, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything about it. I might slash him in the back of the legs, but when he inevitably scores four goals on me, I'm gonna say some shit as I pass his bet. I love that shot of Zucker on the bench, just giving him the Michael Jordan shrug, just the shrug. Like I don't fucking like. What are you doing? Why are you talking to me? You hit me. Yeah, he's he's hilarious, dude. And I I just need him to get his shit rocked once. Like, like just once. Well, because that's the thing. He will never be in a fight. Mm-hmm. Ever. Because that would require him to be a willing combatant. Dude, like, have him fight Georgiev. We all know Georgiev's got a good right hand. Like he's 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 he knocked oh, out Tony yeah, D'Angelo. Oh yeah, he's he's experienced with dealing with real pieces of shit in the yeah. NHL. Like let Georgiev at him. Yeah. Like maybe maybe that's what happens on Sunday. We get a good old goalie fight. Although I probably wouldn't want that because somehow in that way Georgiev will get hurt. And yeah, we don't end. Yeah, we don't need that. So oh, no. Jordan Bennington, chill the fuck out, dude. Well, the, only, the only way Jordan Bennington's gonna get his is if someone just runs him over, at which case he'll grab two water bottles and throw them. Yeah. Honestly, like a sick fight for him. Like the only goalie he'd probably fight is UC Soros. And I feel like UC Soros would just like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like who's the smallest goalie that it's he... got to be Soros, right? Well, Soros is big, isn't he? No, he's like five ten. Is he? Am I just yeah. misremembering UC Soros? I think you're misremembering him, man. He's tiny. Huh. Why do I? Why do I remember him being big? You're probably thinking of Pekka Rene, bro. Pro- okay, probably. Yeah, he's five yeah. eleven. Yeah, he's smaller yeah. than me. He's a tiny guy, man. He's a very I, tiny I don't know. Guy. I feel, I feel like I'd still I'd still bet on Soros to win that fight. That's what I'm saying, man. Like that's the only one he'd fight though, is because he'd think he's bigger than him and he could fight him. Like who's so. a who's a rookie goalie right now that he could just go pick on or something? Like he <sighs> like like he'd go pick on like Lukanen or something in Buffalo. Like Yeah, tw- I still think I'd take Lukanen in that fight. I would, I would too. I mean, I probably picked a bad well, he's six four. Yeah, he's a big boy. Uh, I don't really. I think Soros is the smallest goaltender in the NHL. I think Frankie's a little tiny too. Frankie's not the biggest. Yeah, well, you're not going to have like any five nine goalies in the yeah. Area. But yeah, that'd be hilarious. We just need him to get fought. just someone fight him, please. That's all we want. As That's much as all we want, that he's never going to drop the gloves. The, the second someone approaches him, he will find the nearest ref and just shove them in front of him and hide. Start crying. It'll be funny, but. Yeah, we what's in the episode on that note where we can all agree we hate Jordan Bennington. So um I got nothing else. I'm ready for Monday. Avs are gonna win on Monday against the Flyers and we'll we'll be feeling good again. Yeah, we'll be feeling good. We'll be back on Tuesday 
That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young as NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. Been a long time since the abs have been home, but you can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more because the abs, they've got a lot of home games coming up in December. A they're lot. Gonna- They're going to be making up for some lost time coming up here. So if you want to get in on the action, $20 off your first order at SeatGeek with promo code TELLITABS. It is a great way to support the show and a great way for you to just save some money. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.